and welcome to the Pole Performance Podcast, where we bridge the gap between pole dancing, exercise and sports science, with a little bit of injury rehab thrown in as well. My name is Dr. Emily Rausch. I'm a certified chiropractic sports physician who specializes in helping pole dancers learn how to not fuck up their bodies pole dancing and unfuck them when they do. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode. I'm super excited to be back recording solo episodes. Love recording guest episodes as well, but it has just been a minute since I've been in a space where I could record an episode all by myself. If you've missed um, my life updates that have happened, which is the reason why there was like a gap in me posting podcast episodes by myself. I am divorced and I have moved out of Boise. I'm currently living with my family, which is like my parents. And then two of my three brothers live in the area as well. We are kind of by Tacoma. I thought they lived a lot closer to, to Tacoma, which is what I've been saying. I'm like, oh, we're in the Tacoma area. No, Tacoma is like a fucking trek um, from their their house, mostly because of traffic. Um, not It's not like a super far drive. It just takes like almost an hour to get to Tacoma with traffic. But it's been super nice. The Pacific Northwest in the summer is absolutely beautiful. Been taking Samson and then one of my brother's dog dogs whose name is crypto to a lake that has like a gorgeous view of mount rainier if you're been seeing my like instagram stories um that's where i've been going it's only like a 10 minute drive um i have become a lake whore i'm not gonna lie i we've been going like literally every day i have bought a paddleboard i bought my dog um and crypto both life jackets we have been water babies and will continue as long as it is nice here. I know the rain is coming. I probably won't stay in this area solely because it rains for like half of the year and rain makes me really sad. So still trying to decide where like my forever home is going to be. And I say that with like a little bit of a weird tone because I have not lived anywhere since I was 18 for longer than like four years um so I don't know if I ever will have like a singular space that is my like forever home because I get bored of living places so where my next home is gonna be let's say that I have um a few different places that I am gonna go check out and then make a decision at some point but for now I'm just enjoying yeah being around family and the nice weather Before we get too far into our topic, which is things that can limit your front splits, do want to make a couple different announcements. One, I do have space for one-on-one clients, which are for people that are either injured and can't pull the way that they want to pull, or they have like very specific goals that they want to work with me virtually to be able to achieve. Announcement one. Announcement number two, In September, actually on September 18th, How to Not Fuck Up Your Hips Pole Dancing, my six-week online course is going to start. September is going to be here before we freaking know it because it's literally almost August. What the heck? Um, Want to make sure that you are on the wait list for the How to Not Fuck Up Your Hips Pole Dancing course for a few different reasons. One, people that are on the wait list are going to get the best 
cost, the best price for this course. And if you are anything like me, I love a deal. So make sure you're signed up for the waitlist if you want to get the best price. Two, I have decided to run this version of my six-week course. I did the shoulder one in earlier in the year. Slightly different. Um, there's going to be two different groups. One is the accountability group, which will be the only way that you will get personalized feedback about any of the assessments or the exercises that are included in the course from me. You will also have access to me on a weekly basis to have any troubleshooting personalized individual questions in a like group Zoom setting answered. There, That group is capped at 15 spaces. So you will have like more intimate time with me and then with the other people in the accountability group. The other group is called Accelerated and you will have access to the like educational Zoom um, meetings. There's three of them. And then you'll get the same information as everyone gets the same information throughout the course. The difference is do you want personalized feedback and then the weekly small group calls where you can have your questions answered or do you just want access to the information um, for the course so you get to pick which track you're on once again the accountability group is capped at 15 spaces and i am hoping slash imagining that those spaces are gonna be snagged up pretty quickly and so if you're not on the wait list i don't know if you'll have access to one of those spaces so get on the wait list if that's something that you want to have for this version of the course. Okay, let's get into reasons why you may not have access to your front splits. Um, first, want to talk about the two different things that are happening in your hips during a, a front split. One leg is going into hip extension, which is your back leg, and then one leg is going into hip flexion, which is your front leg. Different things will limit either one of them, and then we need different things to happen in each one of the legs for you to gain access to that range of motion. So let's talk about hip extension first, because there's a reason for it. I tend to see people lacking in hip extension, which will make it so that their hips are not, or their splits are not flat, um, more than hip flexion. Not that hip flexion limitations don't exist too, um, but people really struggle to get their hips behind them. And I am going to postulate that this is because we spend a lot more time in hip flexion than we do in hip extension. So it would make sense that we would not have access to it because we don't ever ask our body to go into that position. When we are um, thinking of our hips extending, what is making this happen is your glute max primarily. It's the main hip extension muscle. Um, and then your glute med and your glute min, which are your like side butt muscles, need to help stabilize the pelvis. Your hamstrings are also involved. You have three hamstring muscles. Those extend your hip and flex your knee. We need our need to not be flexed typically in the in front splits um so it needs to be able to like keep your knee from flexing which is partially your quads partially your hamstrings to get that leg behind you and then your deep six which is like a group of six different little muscles that rotate the hip they need to be able to to stabilize and allow your hip to externally rotate which is a good 
point for me to like kind of circle back when you are extending your hip and you're going into front splits not only does your hip joint need to extend some slight external rotation needs to happen as well which will allow you to gain access to more hip extension so if you're internally rotating your hip and trying to extend it you're going to be limiting yourself so we need to have like a slight turnout coming from your hip joint to allow us to get our maximum hip extension same thing when we're in a bridge which is a hip extended position that slight turnout from the hip not from the ankle will allow you to get um, your hips up a little bit more when we're thinking of range of motion wide range reported in the literature anywhere from 10 to 40 degree 10 to 40 degrees is what we are aiming for um obviously the more access to range of motion we have, the more hip extension we have. Love it. Um, wish there wasn't such a range, but that is research for you. Kind of depends on which study you look at. It's going to get widely different um, report numbers reported. Love that for us. Um, when we're thinking of limiting things for hip extension, there's going to be muscles, there's going to be a nerve, and then your hip capsule, which is a group of ligaments. When we're talking about muscles, it's your hip flexors, right? As we're going backwards with our leg, the things that drive it forwards is going to be the limiting factor. Um, hip flexor muscles, psoas, iliacus, rectum, which is technically one of your quad muscles, um, but it crosses both the hip and the knee joint. And then your tensor fascial lata, which is commonly abbreviated as your TFL, those muscles tend to be the rate limiting factor in hip extension. I just posted a self-assessment for your hip flexors on Instagram. It's the modified Thomas test, which will allow you to see if your hip flexor muscles are tight um, or if they are weak. A lot of times people feel the sensation of tightness and they think that they need to stretch when really that tightness is a, your body's way of creating stability. Um, and it can be a little bit tricky if you don't know how to tell, like, are they tight or are they weak? Um, and the Instagram reel that I posted just the other day is one of the ways that I would assess that on someone. Another commenting, common rate limiting factor for um, hip extension is your femoral nerve, which is a nerve that starts in your low back and then runs down the front part of your leg. Honestly, I should record a whole podcast episode on nerves because it is a big topic um, that every time I'm trying to talk about any sort of like anatomy thing, I'm like, oh yeah, nerves. So put that on the future podcast episode list, Emily. Um, nerves can learn to tolerate being in a lengthened position, but they do not love being stretched or held in a lengthened tensioned position for long periods of time just suddenly so a lot of times people will feel like they need to stretch their hip flexors but how they are setting up for their hip flexor stretch is really them just tensioning their nerves we're going to talk a lot about it in um, the hip flexion portion of this with the sciatic nerve, but the same thing can happen with your femoral nerve trying to stretch your hip flexors to allow your hip to extend more. There's nerve tension tests, there's nerve tensioners and gliders that will allow your nerves to 
lengthen and allow you to have access to more range of motion, but just sustainably tightening them is not not the way. It's going to actually do the exact opposite because your body's going to be like, no, ma'am, or no, sir, no, thank you, not going to allow this to happen. The other thing that can limit your hip extension uh, mobility is your hip capsule. And this is a really important one, especially with hip extension, because a lot of us spend the majority of our day in a seated position. For some reason, my brain likes to combine seated and and sitting into one word drives me absolutely bonkers. A lot of times we spend our day in a seated position because we work at a desk or for whatever reason we are sitting on our happy little butt. And then our tissues as a way to adapt to being in a sustained position because the the body's like really not designed to like sit for eight hours a day, right? Eight plus hours a day. Um, because most of us have to drive to work or sit on some sort of like transport vehicle to get to work and then we sit for the entire day. Um, it's not designed to do that. The, our tissues will adapt because they're like, oh, okay, we're going to be in this position for a long period of time. Some muscles get shorter, some muscles get tighter. Our hip capsule, which is a bunch of different ligaments, will adapt as well by getting tight in the front part of our hip, um, which will limit our ability to do the exact opposite motion, which is hip extension. So we, one, need to be cognizant of that and allow our body time and our tissues time to kind of like quote unquote undo all of the sitting that we do throughout the day. And a lot of times people like very understandably, right? Because you're like, okay, I go to work and then I'm going to go take a class. So I'm going to go from a seated position, whether it's like just driving to class or like going to work and then driving to class. And then suddenly ask our body to to go into extreme ranges of motion that are the exact opposite of the sustained position that we've been in for hours throughout the day. So this is where warm up is like very, very important because if you don't think of that, think of if you're an instructor, think of yourself as a, a student. If you're not allowing your tissues time to warm, like truly warm up and then therefore be able to access those more extreme ranges of motion, one, you're going to be limited. Um, And then two, you're increasing your risk of injury. And when we're thinking of like the hip capsule, especially if that does not allow your like actual hip joint to rotate and you're like forcing it, your muscles are going to be what ends up getting hurt. Um, Meaning they're probably going to end up like tearing. So zero out of 10 recommend that build in enough time um, to allow your tissues to adapt throughout your warm up, And then um, yeah, as a, a mover yourself, if you're like, oh, I sat all day and then now all of the stuff that we're doing is, is super splitty, that maybe the first little chunk of class is not going to be when you have access to your full range of motion because your your body's still going to be warming up even after you do your warm up. So not pushing it until you know that your tissues are ready for whatever position you are going to ask them to be in. Okay. That is hip extension. Let's move into hip flexion or a pike position. When we are thinking of the front leg of a front split, which is our hip flexion hip, um, in the hip joint, we need 
hip flexion to happen. Surprise. And then when we're past 90 degrees, we need internal rotation to happen. So our hips are doing the exact opposite thing, right? One is extending and externally rotating. One is flexing and internally rotating. Um, With the internal rotation, it is a very small accessory movement. So it's not like a drastic, like, oh, I can tell that my hip is internally rotating. It's just a movement that needs to happen. And I'm bringing it up because a lot of times people are lacking in internal rotation, which can be a reason why we're not getting as much hip flexion happening as we would like to. Our main mover muscles for this leg are our hip flexors. Obviously, our hip is in flexion in this position. And then our quads. And the quads are one where we know only... Well, I just said that a little bit ago, a little bit ago in the hip extension. There's only one of your quad muscles that crosses both your knee and your hip joint is your rectus femoris. The other quad muscles don't cross your hip joint, but they do need to be involved because at least for most of us, we don't want to have our knee bent in that front leg, right? We want to have a straight front knee. We don't want the micro bend. So your quads need to be involved and they need to work with your hip flexors to keep your leg nice and straight as you are flexing it. Just like hip extension, our glute med and min um, help stabilize the pelvis along with the deep six rotators, which are the like six little rotator cuff muscles, the quote unquote rotator cuff muscles of the hip. Along with our low abs and our pelvic floor, they all need to be involved in stabilization for extreme ranges of hip flexion to happen. Always going to have a little beef with people that are like, oh, it's your transverse abdominis muscle that like helps stabilize your body when you're going into front splits. You can't, you cannot engage one muscle all by itself. Body doesn't work like that. Not one part of it. So I'm going to broadly say your entire low ab um, group, the lower part of your abdominals, and then all of the muscles of your pelvic floor. Limiting factors for the front leg in a front split, hamstring tightness, pretty much the most obvious one, right? Um, Want to have a little bit of a squirrel moment off of this because our hamstrings, lovely group of three muscles, need to be able to have access to both passive and active flexibility for a lot of different pole tricks, meaning we can't, or I'm going to say can't, you could just static stretch, just passively work on our flexibility when we're wanting to have our front splits happen, which I tend to see when people want to have their front splits, they will literally just sit in a front split-esque position, thinking that that's going to gain them access to the front splits that they want to have. And it may, but when we're wanting this to translate to a very active um, way of moving, which is pole dancing, we need to have both. Think about it for a moment. If you are dancing along, there are going to be moments where you're going to want to lift your front leg into like a split-like position actively using your muscles. And then there's going to be other moments when you're going to want to like just hang out in a split position. So like a jade split, for an example, if you are just trying to have that like pretty little line, you can grab your front leg with your hand, right? And like passively pull it flatter. 
amazing. Love that for you. But we also need an active component of flexibility because like you're, you can't really pull your back leg down one. And then, um, trying to, I'm trying to think of what moves are that have like a very active front split moment. Um, I'm thinking of getting into like an up and down the pole split. Like there's going to be moments where you need that like active flexibility and then you can kind of sink into your passive flexibility afterwards. So Anyways, long story short, train both. Don't just train one or the other. Um, and then one other scroll moment about hamstrings because it's a, a thing that I see quite a bit. If you are trying to stretch your hamstrings, um, we are wanting it to be like a hamstring stretch, which sounds obvious, not a low back stretch, which tends to happen with like a lot of forward fold movements. And then two, we're getting into our second limiting factor of our front splits, which is our sciatic nerve. Um, just like the femoral nerve, nerves don't love being um, pulled on. They don't love being stretched. They can be a rate limiting factor in our mobility. And I feel like this is one where, with the sciatic nerve specifically, where people mix up, are we stretching our hamstrings or are we tensioning our sciatic nerve? We need to go back to anatomy. Um, and this is where podcast kind of downfalls of like, if you don't know this anatomy and you're only listening to this, you may want to Google. Don't don't be Googling if you're driving, but you may want to Google hamstring anatomy and sciatic nerve anatomy so that you can picture what I'm talking about. Your hamstring muscles, all three of them, start on your ischial tuberosity or your sitz bones, and then they run down the back side of your leg and connect onto either side of your knee onto your um, tibia because they help flex the knee. They extend the hip and flex the knee. They stop at your knee though, right? They do not go all the way down to your ankle. So if you are in a on the floor seated pike stretch, whether it's one leg or two legs, and you are like, oh, if I bring my ankle into dorsiflexion or bring my toes up towards my nose, if I flex my ankle, I feel an increased sensation in my hamstrings and a lot of times people will say, oh, I'm making my hamstring stretch more intense or like stronger by flexing my ankle. Your hamstrings do not cross your ankle. The only structure that does that runs like down your entire back of your body to your ankle is your sciatic nerve. So if you are thinking that you are increasing your hamstring stretch, and a lot of times you will feel an increased sensation in your hamstring region. What is actually happening, though, is you're just yanking on your sciatic nerve. Um, yanking, tensioning, um, whatever word sounds the best for you, you're just pulling it. And it does not love being pulled. The What will actually happen is your body will like decrease the range of motion that it allows you to have access to if this is something that you're repetitively doing. So keep your ankle relaxed when you're doing your um, forward fold pikey stretch. Um, or I mean, even better would be to focus more on where your pelvis is, whether you're standing or you are um, doing it on the floor, because if you want to focus on your hamstring stretching, you need to lengthen the, your ham, like lengthen your hamstring, obviously, but, um, lengthen the positions where your insertion and your origin of your hamstring muscles. So like the start and end point of your hamstring muscles are like, bring them farther apart from each other. Um, in whether you're forward folding or sitting on the on the floor, 
your knees are kind of locked, right? Like you don't really have the ability to make your knee go farther, but you do have the ability to tilt your pelvis. So if you get into more of an anterior pelvic tilt, that's going to bring one end of your hamstring muscle farther away from the other end, which will increase your hamstring stretch. Um, That was kind of a, a long little hamstring sciatic nerve section. You're welcome. The other things that can limit the front leg flexibility, mobility is your hip joint capsule, um, exact opposite position as the hip flexion. So it tends to be the more posterior part of the hip capsule that will limit um, your front leg flexibility. And the last one is your deep six or the like rotator cuff muscle group of the hip. These guys need to be strong um, and then also have the ability to lengthen because we want them to be able to like actively rotate our hip and then be strong in both a contracted and a lengthened position. Um, So a lot of times when I'm working on like hip rehab with people or just having them gain more access to their split range of motion, a lot of rotation muscle, a lot of rotation exercises will be included because your deep six um, help rotate your hip and your hips a ball and socket joint. So if they're not able to, to rotate the ball and socket, um, problems will occur. Um, so rotation exercises as part of your like active flexibility routine for your front splits, for all of your splits, to be honest, um, are really, really important. Okay. That is all I have for today's podcast episode. I hope there were some educational little tidbits that you can take away and start applying to your splits training to your um, meat suit maintenance routine. Once again, the um, waitlist link for how to not fuck up your hips pole dancing will be in the show notes as well as the link to work with me one-on-one if that is something that you are interested in. Um, Yeah, I hope you enjoy your lovely whatever day it is that you are listening to this and I'll catch you in the next one. Bye!